Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-host, Matt, aka Null. What's Reed, up, everyone? aka Sick Robot. How you doing? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? Uh, in this episode, we're going to be covering win cons. But, and well, we'll give a bit more of a breakdown of that. We're going to be covering win cons and how to evaluate them and, uh, you know, <laughs> how to All decide whether or not it's good in your deck. Is it <laughs> the playable? Win stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you realistically win with 1 1 dorks? Yes. Okay, but before we get into that, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Well, World of I Warcraft from Reed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, that too. Um, I've, I've been playing, again, way too much World of Warcraft. Not 60 yet. Disappointed in myself. Haven't been spending as much time as I wanted to, but oh, come on, man. we're getting there. Stop slacking. You're supposed to, oh, I think you're supposed to hit 60 in like, it's something like most people should be able to do it in like seven game days time so like whatever 24 hours times seven is you tell me and i'm only at like six and a half so you're still I, I think time. i'm gonna miss you're seven still days. young we'll see get there <laughs> but but i did get a webcam set up <laughs> and you broke it in yeah, right happened. i did got some games in been jamming a shit ton did you win? You, you pub stomping the noobs over on Play Yeah, yeah, dude. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got a few games. I think I'm. I think I'm above twenty five percent right now. <laughs> classic, classic yeah. read move right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maintaining an above average win rate. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when he's not playing with us, because you know, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah obviously. Because yeah. we're just. Yeah. yeah, we've learned our lessons. Um, Matt uh, Morgan. Speaking of play DH, uh, I was made a moderator over there. So, okay, well, uh, you know what? Stop bragging. You're afraid of me. Uh, Leave the server, there, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have yet to abuse my power. You I'm just, should be I'm just waiting for an opportunity. Dude, me, me and Morgan are just accruing roles. <laughs> you guys gotta get it on this too. Get those colored names in all the servers. Yeah, definitely. Dude, how I you win so many, a Discord so many server is just having the most roles. I was, I was in competition with Morgan for having. A lot of rules for a while, and then he just and then you were not anymore. He's killed me. Yeah, I'm dead. Um, one thing that applied. I just picture like a, a like a Boy Scout sta- uh, sash with <laughs> yeah. just a bunch of different rules on it. Yeah, they're that's, basically that's basically what it is. <laughs> they're about as valuable as Boy Scout uh, badges. Um, now, Asperia badges, on the other hand, yeah. Um, one other thing that I've been up to, that we've all been up to, was we had our, I guess, second Southern Ontario slash GTA uh, EDH meetup. So uh, we're looking to do those monthly, and turnout was really good. I think we had three pods firing continuously yeah. for a and, little while. And yeah. some leftovers. Uh, yeah, yeah, three pods. And uh, those are lots of fun. So if you're in the GTA, uh, we'll leave a link to the uh, Facebook group where those are planned and you can check them out if you're interested. Yeah. So, and then they're, they're going to be on weekends and the idea is to do them like once a month instead of like every week. That way gives chance for people who might want to do like a longer drive out from, you know, wherever in Southern Ontario 
to make yeah, it for it, one of these like yeah like it, it gives a idea. yeah it gives a date for like everybody to make it out all in one day and for like everybody to hang out yeah really trying to foster the southern ontario cedh community um uh anything else morgan or matt I had a brief suffering of playing through Elsha uh, and drawing tons of lands. It was absolutely the worst. Yeah. Um, Yeah, when you build Elsha, just don't put 60 lands in. Yeah, usually not a good idea. (laughs) And and of course, some of them were fetches either, right? So you weren't getting any shuffling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they were fetches, there was definitely action. <laughs> yeah, oh god! <laughs> hey man, they still shuffle. <laughs> you can still clear the other ones off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many times did you see three lands off of top? Uh, in a row, <laughs> or just uh, I, uh, it was like a ridiculous portion. I got yeah. Oh my gosh, I was so hyped to play Elsha, and then you know play you know the best card in the deck and. Seeing three oh, lands no. is heartbreaking, you know. <laughs> um, as for me, I've been jamming. Uh, so I'm back, back at school, back with the uh, Queen's Magic Club, and enjoying some mid power games. Those are going pretty great. I uh, <laughs> built my uh, uh, Golos Tron deck, which tries to assemble EDH Tron, which is. Cabal Coffers, Urborg, and Copy Lands. And it's a hidden commander Ayavugan deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's so that. great. <laughs> Dude, I'm enjoying it a lot. You when you're 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 making like 60 mana and your your only way to remove things is by like Eye of Ugin finding Ulamog and then like winding canyons <laughs> to flash them in. That's your removal. God. It's pretty fun. See, and this is the first lesson in what makes yeah. a win card playable. When we're not <laughs> recording, Lyndon is like the most concerned about things being off topic. And then we start recording. Yeah. <laughs> and so we are so in topic, way. man. This is the what have we been doing since last time. I'm allowed to say what I want about <laughs> mid-power, okay? Get off my back. Okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for this off-topic topic. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into housekeeping. Um, so housekeeping notes, we have, uh, two new patrons. So we want to give big shout outs to Chris T. And Jordan K. Hooray. Woo. Thank you. Dude, I was about to, I've been listening to the commands on too much. I was about to say, (laughs) you rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's copyrighted. Our lawyers will be contacting you. (laughs) Yeah, holy shit. Cease and assist in the mail. Jesus. Oh, that's what everyone said on the podcast. Uh, But yeah, big shows to our patrons. Thank you so much. Yeah. uh, All, all tiers of support. Very much appreciated. Uh, Use that towards paying off our equipment and, uh, paying our editor um yeah so new developments there is some sweet little uh primers i guess it's not really new brew it was well new stuff read well, you have a new brew new, yeah you have a new brew, brew. We got, we've yeah, got three we've got, decks, i think right? the most 
standout of this story read uh is the, <laughs> effort wise yes i'd have to agree <laughs> is the new uh tasker primer uh yeah. morgan you want to talk about that golden control by uh sinestra it's a new uh, it's a tasker deck it incorporates elements from existing ones uh, but i think it's the most refined one we've we've seen to date um very clean and low to the ground and has an excellent primer that uh goes along with it and a sweet name so i'm that's on awesome board. also Told we've got shout outs in the description of the primer so that's pretty we high. do there's some links <laughs> to episodes there much appreciated thanks for that <laughs> conflict of interest yeah hey dude we're transparent yeah <laughs> we divulge our interests yeah stroke our ego man that's <laughs> easiest way to get <laughs> shout outs yeah, definitely. Great way if you want your primer on. If you want your primer featured, yeah. just the more links you can shove in there. Yeah. Come on, you scratch our back, we scratch yours. This isn't complicated, folks. <laughs> yeah, if your green deck has an Into the North in it, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, just right there. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, no, no, no. Okay, so we have to we have to come up with a QR code. That links to the website and then have people do alters of into the norse to put the qr code on the art <laughs> and then upload those to tapped out and put those in the into the north <laughs> slot <laughs> sounds like a lot of steps man sounds like a great marketing yeah. idea you'll just, see you'll just all see. Go, go out to gps and throw these like qr code leaflets all everywhere and just yep. get kicked out yeah okay <laughs> Uh, so, Reed, you've got a deck on new developments. You want to talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, I sure do want to talk about it. Um, it is called Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I thought it was <laughs> Cinnamon Glazed Mid Range. It was Cinnamon Glazed Mid Range, and then I realized that I didn't want to have to say that. So, I realized that I wanted to say Cinnamon Toast Crunch more. So, I'm saying that now. Okay, so what, what, can, before you start talking about the deck, what <laughs> is there? Is there a purpose behind this name? Uh. Oh, okay. So, um, if you oh, that's a new development. Miss this. Okay, I gotta go over this. Uh, if n- y'all don't know, y'all listening <laughs> don't know because I'm sure these guys do because Morgan's salty about it continuously. Scryfall has released their deck builder, and it is the best thing since sliced bread. Is it? It's I haven't so checked good. it out. Is it better it's than so Architect? Great. It's real nice. Um, they're still working out some issues, uh, and I, I, you can't fully port over primers yet which i don't think is an issue because i think you can probably just like probably host it on like a google docs or something and then link to that in the description instead but it is so much smoother than like anything else that i've used um they do really cool stuff for creating decks um i know personally i also we're not sponsored by skyfall or whatever just skyfall's nuts and they're awesome and all their products are great um but yeah, so like they they do this whole thing where when you like make a deck, you want to edit a deck, you can do manual card entry, like type them into the slots, but it also auto complete those if you move out of them. So like it'll like recognize like a half a card name or whatever, or like a misspelled card name, and like just put that card in the list instead. And like you can go and like manually edit all the lists and like manually edit the other stuff, and then also. If you're working on a deck, you can use their search engine to search for cards and then just like add the cards from the card page. Which is that's cool. Pretty that sick. That, that's, yeah, that's super pretty sick. Handy. And then also do they also do native imports from other deck building sites. So like if you want to import a deck, you can be like, okay, import, and then if you give it like a tapped out list or an architect list or whatever, 
um, or like not even a list, sorry, just like a URL. It'll pull the list from that URL from that URL and just put it into a list for you. That's a great way to get people to move awesome. over to your platform. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you give it like yeah. your profile? <laughs> Two hundred and four. Two hundred fifty. Are my tapped out? Are my tapped out points transferable? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take my donation from tapped out karma. and describe all? Um, but yeah, so that's super cool. But <laughs> where this is coming from? So you guys should all go check that out. By the way, but uh, I was using this deck basically as sort of an excuse to build like a deck from scratch on the website. And they do this thing where they auto-generate names for you now. Um, and it just has so happened that the auto-generated name was Cinnamon Glazed Midrange. So that's what it's called. Except no it's called Cinnamon Toast Yep. Really? Yep. Why would they why would it auto-generate that? Because it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> so now it's called Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And it's a Thrasios Timna Midrange deck. <laughs> oh <laughs> never joy. Seen those before. Wow. Radical. <laughs> it is like so far off the deep end i don't even like i i think people are probably going to look at me in a different light once they see this list um basically the list is just thrasius timna with consult and that's his only win con and everything else is value <laughs> and the entire idea of the deck is to play mana rocks and dorks and then play card advantage engines off of those and then use those to draw into more mana engines and then use those mana engines to draw into more cards and then keep going and then this you just sounds like just winning with definitely extra fun steps. to play yes and that's what makes it <laughs> so fun <laughs> basically okay the the actual serious reason behind this deck is that um i feel i felt like uh there is probably space for like a like four color rashmi ish type deck in like thrasios timna where instead of playing a lot of the disruptive elements, you just play more value. How many heroes of Bladeholt are you running? Uh, zero, but I'm playing a lot of good shit in here. There's a Biomancer familiar. How many rest in pieces are you running? And why one. is the answer not one? There is one. Or, sorry, it was a Graph Digger's Cage? You I'm running both. Oh, you finally added rest in peace? <laughs> there was, okay, good. There was definitely I don't know one of those was missing. There was always a rest in peace in this deck. One of those was sleep. missing. Um, but yeah, it's basically just like the greediest deck ever because I felt like consult, like pure consult, Thrasios Timna is probably under underexplored right now because I think that those win con, that win con stands up on its own currently because it has redundancies yeah. in both pieces now. And like Timna's really good with Lab Man and all that stuff because you can do draw triggers and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going to build a pure consult list and then build the rest with value because I don't want to have to play stacks because I would rather draw more cards than stop other people from doing things. So to, to anyone else, does this feel like a step towards 20xx? We're getting what? there. <laughs> 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 yeah, dude. No. Fox only final destination. <laughs> no items. Just everyone's play is perfect. Everyone's lists are the yeah. same. <laughs> the exact Literally, same. Literally. Every, yeah. Everybody's lists perfectly built to counter each other's. Oh, yeah. Also, for the listeners, the reason why I said Hero of Blade Holt is because friend of the show, Turnip, um, has built a Thrasios Timna value deck before. And 
uh, featuring I keep, cards. Like, I keep getting okay. The, the thing is, like, when you say that, you think you're being special. But I've had like ten different people say, like, "Oh, this looks exactly like this list that I built, like, however many years ago." And it's just like, yes, but it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. The Thrasios Timna value is not is not a unique it new is idea. Yeah. Okay, and our last new development, Teamer Extortionist. Yeah, this is just a quick one. I wanted to give a shout out to um, this deck built by both Shaper and Wedge. Um, it's a Teamer list, you know, revolving around Dockside Extortionist, um, Cloudstone Curio, and you know, see Teamer Sabretooth. It's um, it's 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 a very strong deck in kind of a weird way like because it's not running white or black um a friend of the podcast uh played it against us and i was very surprised with how well it performed and i've been messing around with like white versions and black versions as well um yeah i just wanted to shout out how's it assembling i guess you've got blue for artifact tutors but it's kind I mean, of like, also just nuts with thrasers though the, so yeah yeah you're kind of just drawing like enough cards per turn that you don't really need like a a big tutor suite i don't even think this list actually runs um, also like just having two like green can definitely find creatures and having your wing con be two creatures that both are reasonably useful uh, is not (laughs) quote unquote and it's also got a freed from the real which is you know at this point any thrasios deck a shaper deck has freed from the real in it <laughs> All right, time to call yeah, them so out. I just, <laughs> I just have to. I'm say. going right to the Discord right now and calling Shaper out for this because I, I remember say, yeah. for the past year and a half, <laughs> every single time I've brought up Hulk discussion, Shaper has continuously shit on free from the real. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's got an Arbor Elf, uh-huh, it's got a Curious uh-huh. Follower, it's got Incubation <laughs> Druid. Yeah, it's got, you, it's kind of crazy uh, to not. Continuing the long and proud tradition of Shaper beating everyone to the punch, I was also working on a very similar <laughs> idea. Oh my god. And then someone's like, oh yeah, Shaper just published that list. I was like, not again. Of course it did. <laughs> of course the funny it. thing was, is that Dude, me and, me and Dockside Siggy, Extortionist me and changed were also the game on a Thrasius Chrome list <laughs> a month or so ago. Well, there's yeah. living proof yeah. that Shaper did. Sorry, guys. I have chat logs. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I swear, guys. <laughs> okay. Well, that's enough right. new developments for this episode. Uh, and let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, and that is win cons. So, yeah. what makes a win con? Hmm. Broad question. <laughs> what do you guys? What do you guys have to say about that? What's What's your what what makes wincon? Well, it has to fulfill one of the ways of winning the game. Quote unquote, sure. winning the game. Um, no, no, actually. So I guess <laughs> All step right, one. Fine. <laughs> step one: make sure your wincon actually ends the game. Looking Elaborate. At, oh, I'll <laughs> looking at. Oh yes, I'll just lock everyone out. I'll stacks everyone out and then I'll win. I'll lock everyone out and then I'll win. Oh, I'll, I'll grind them out. All of these things are not winning. I feel like I feel like that idea, I feel like that gr- the grind out idea just comes from 
1v1 and ports extremely it's, it's poorly so as to multiplayer too because people i feel like people have this idea where they're gonna come into cdh and they're like oh it's like it's like the most unfair format i'm gonna i'm gonna play this format and i'm gonna force people to be fair <laughs> yeah, the problem is people trying to, to die by combat. <laughs> trying to force people to be fair, and then you'll lose the game eventually because you're not you're not closing it out. You're just letting also, them. You're just hindering them a bit. But you just yeah. have to f- like lot. It, it's very different if you look at something like vintage, where like the unfair decks, like everything they do is punished by stuff that punishes whatever unfair thing it is they're trying to do. But in CDH, like. There's a lot of times where people are just playing like dorks and rocks and lands and then like removal and counter spells. So you play your like, it's not like Trinisphere just means that the person loses the game like it might in Vintage. And um, also you have three different opponents who are potentially trying to do three different unfair things at the same time. And it's not always easy to stop all three of them from doing whatever unfair thing it is they want to do at once. Well, also in in terms of combat not being a win con, like, yes, it, it should never be your primary win con. But there are definitely decks that incorporate combat damage as backup win cons. So decks that include Tendershoot Dryad or Elishnorn, uh, definitely try to leverage that. That's a way to close out the game. Yeah, yeah, mirror entity. Just a little sidebar. But genuinely, I don't think either of those actually... Like, I think that they're good because they deal a lot of damage, not because they actually end the game in a reasonable amount of time. They let you... Well, I mean... Yeah, like I, I also think, like, the inclusion of those types of cards are largely a coincidence of the rest of the deck. Like, um... I mean, uh, Morgan can speak to this better, but um, his Kestia Hulk deck had an Elshnorn in it because it worked well with um, his primary win condition. And also because yeah, Elshnorn is a near-unbeatable stacks piece for some decks. Yeah. But I think, like, I I think, think Tendershoot Drive is a good one to look at because that's that's in there mainly just to put a lot of pressure but, on. But you are trying to close out the game with that kind of combat damage. But, but you very rarely actually are, yes. in my experience. And I think that if if you look at all the quote-unquote combat damage win cons, if all of their damage was backloaded, like they did nothing until the turn that their cumulative effect would have killed everyone, and then they just killed everyone, they would be not just worse, but substantially worse. Like the fact that something like Tendershoot Dread lets you put 15 damage on someone with a Sylvan Library or even someone with a crypt or like an ad nauseum deck or something like that is what makes it playable. And then the fact that sometimes it actually lets you kill the whole table is gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Like just playing a creature that's like do nothing for five turns and then all your opponents die would not be nearly as good as tender shoot dread. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, that basically came back to like what an actual win con is like, yeah, make sure that like it actually is either the game ends as soon as it happens or nobody gets to play the game like legitimately until the game does end. Yeah. So like, like I'm Nexus going to of fate loops. Yeah. I'm going to take all the turns. I'm going to remove every single permanent in play in every card in somebody's hand, in everybody's hands <laughs> like, yeah, that 
and make infinite <laughs> and <then>. swans. <laughs> but yeah, like anything, like a lot of stuff that's less than that is very iffy. Yeah, like I think the biggest culprits I've seen would be like stasis locks. People yep. think it's like, oh yeah, I'll just I can keep the stasis around forever. It's like, I mean, sure you can until one of your opponents finds two untapped lands in an abrupt decay. Or a flash. <laughs> or a flash, <laughs> yeah. But like things like that don't actually represent winning the game. And you should make sure that your win con does. Yeah. Um all right. So let's before we, we get on to what makes a win con good, let's let's kind of talk about some of these win cons. First of all, let's give some specific examples and and kind of what are what are on like the fringes of of uh, things. So we were, we were talking about, you know, removing everyone's permanence as a win con. Um, that's something that Gitrog will do. Uh, so Gitrog will use, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll set up their deck more plus discard outlet, uh, which gives them access to their whole deck and, and ability to loop cards, which means that they're able to cast pretty much any spell in their deck as much as they want. So you know, classically, people might run something like a Torment of Hailfire if you're coming like straight from casual. That's a that's a common one people use. Oh, I'm going to make infinite mana. Let me cast an infinitely large Torment of Hailfire. I mean, that's a win con, but that's not something you're going to see in most modern Git Rock decks. And that's actually a trend that's kind of pervasive through the entire all, all modern CDH decks is you're not going to see many dedicated end the game cards outlets rather yeah yeah hard outlets as it were yeah like outlets outlets are necessary a necessary part of a win con right like if gitrog had infinite mana but no way to effectively spend it um yeah that's not really a win con right you're you're like oh i'm gonna cast this lotus petal get infinite green and I don't know, get destroy all your artifacts and gain infinite life with nature's claim. Like that's that's hardly hardly an outlet. So it, it, you can't really call that a win con. Life before in this yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so outlets outlets are an important part of win cons and outlets have been kind of moving from the hard outlets like the torment of hailfire down to stuff like Praetor's Grass, which has alternate utility, but is still a card used to exile everyone's library, down to cards like just using cards that you would be running anyway. Uh, so that's like Assassin's Trophy or using Ulamog to destroy everyone's permanence and Thoughtseize and Duress to rip stuff from people's hands, what you want to do anyway to protect your combo. So those those are the kinds of outlets that, that decks are transitioning to. That's, that's for Gitrog. Um, also... But yeah, to, other decks are ma- moving in that direction as well. Have to give have to give a shout out. Yeah, the Tasker has a similar. Oh, I just sorry. on on a similar vein. I have to give a shout out to uh, Finale of Devastation from War of the Spark because that card in a lot of decks has rep- like it's a very serviceable creature to play tutor. Like arguably, you know, slightly less mana efficient than Green Suns. Doesn't well, certainly depend. Depends, board, but, right? Yeah, 
you know, well, I guess somewhere it's mana efficient if you're finding a green creature for sure. Yeah. But in terms of um, trying to find a specific effect, like if you're in Gitrog, green suns for two is what you can find for the cheapest discard outlet. Whereas finale for one finds putrid imp. So yeah. mana efficiency so, like, can be matched. It's a it's a very solid tu- tutor to play effect, and then also oh, just yeah. represents an infinite mana outlet. Um, Not just well, an infinite mana outlet it. in terms of like combat damage with creatures you have on play or something like the fact that it gives things haste just enables a lot it enables a lot yeah especially if you can like recur it at sorcery speed like you can just put every creature from your deck into play like make it infinitely large with haste or get rog a lot of what the current quote-unquote win conless loops are doing uh thanks to uh, Forge 10 from the Gitrog server for coming up with this wincon is uh, you cast Finale for 10 and you're looping it with a Deathrite Shaman to exile instants and sorceries from your graveyard and your opponent's graveyards uh, to basically burn people out and you just sack the Deathrite Shaman and bring it back into play with a Finale with haste. Yeah. Finale. Good card. I wanted to give uh, a shout out to Golden Control again with kind of an, a niche win con, win con, which is um, with Tasker. Obviously, if you have, if you have infinite mana, you can you know play spells in your deck arbitrary an arbitrary amount of time. So what it can do is play Ashiok and mill everyone out, and then abrupt decay yeah, and sweet. repeat the process. Lots of lots of uh, Tasker when when you're doing win conless stuff or saying win conless is probably an unfortunate term of nomenclature that's been it is such a caught on term yeah. for what it actually is yeah people people who aren't familiar like i mean cdh really does suffer from this generally which is like just confusing names for things like <laughs> i, I kind of rolled about. my eyes a bit when you when you said your deck <laughs> was cinnamon would, toast crunch never contribute to such a terrible trend yeah who 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 would name their deck definitely not for alls or four call rashmi for a deck that doesn't have rashmi in it or cinnamon toast crunch yeah or peanut butter and jam <laughs> yeah no it's cdh cdh definitely has a problem with uh with naming and you know we talk about um you know la- what does it mean to be a layered raspberry okay pie. raspberry jam makes sense oh, okay raspberry jam, yeah <laughs> does uh-huh. it uh-huh. it's defensible for sure um but yeah it's so quaint. it's there's a bit of, it's it's unfortunate how we where we've gotten to with naming because it's it's, it's it makes the the format a bit yeah I mean, it's certainly not a bit. something that's unique to see. No, not at all. Definitely not. <laughs> Have you looked at the history of Legacy decks? It's great, and it's also much worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the um, yeah. So WinCon list being an unfortunate name is is yeah, that's definitely true because it's you're not people get confused and think that oh well you're not winning the game. There's no win con. Like, what is, well, how does that make sense? But yeah, it's, it just means that there's no dedicated win con slot and that you're trying to utilize cards that you would already be running to achieve the same end result. Yeah, this is kind of a deck building tip, which is redundancy matters or redundancy is important. Yeah. If a, if a card like Abrupt Decay acts as removal, but also you know can win you the game then then that's great yeah and and yeah you you can get really creative um and that's that's where a lot of the innovations in decks over the past i don't know year and a half or so two years where a lot of the refinements and tuning of decks has become 
making the outlets more efficient. Uh, yeah, and Tassiger is definitely a that's some that's some creative uh, creative win con with Ashiok and Abrupt Decay. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about let's give a few more examples for win cons. Just uh, so people like sort of know what we're talking about, not just like yeah, not just some like more traditional stuff. ones. Yeah, um, yeah. So sort of stuff like you know like consult, which is oh huge consult, one. <laughs> oh consult, consult. Yeah, every yeah. the. It's not the scourge of the format. Flash Hulk is the scourge of the format. But Consult is definitely Con- the... Consult is the runner-up. The infectious... Consult is the, yeah, the bar. It's, it's everyone, everyone's got the Consult disease. It's infecting like, every deck. I feel like the, the problem is the stuff that beats Consult is bad to Flash Hulk. So then people don't... I mean, yes, but, but also... So we've kind of just done this thing in our meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, also there because... Uh, console is very easy to fit into decks, but yeah. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, so our meta has just kind of d- done this thing where we uh, forget that Flash Hulk ex- exists and just play, you know, post Flash Hulk meta. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and then, and then every once in a while, he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just gotta represent. I just gotta give people the small reminders sometimes. It's <laughs> funny. Remind. I saw I saw some Reddit poster on totally Twitter. Someone was like, "Man, I barely ever see Flash Hulk." I'm like, "It doesn't mean it's not the scourge of the format." <laughs> I know so many exist. people. Yeah, so many people are just intentionally not playing Flash Hulk. Which might be contributing to people thinking that, you know, oh, the meta's in a healthy place. You know, Flash Hulk isn't super dominant, whereas these people are, like, in self-enforcing rules to not play Flash Hulk just to keep things interesting. I, I'm definitely in multiple metas like that, and that's... And then you play in a meta where people aren't like that, and they're just <laughs> infinite Flash Hulk decks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so uh, next up on win cons, you know, we've got... Uh, food chain classic classic win con it's Good old win con. the the win con isn't r- food food chain is interesting because consult is a, is a pretty clear cut win con right like jace or, or lab man says win the game on yeah. the card well, um, I, I, and then I your think, consult or tainted pact are just the enablers that that get you there i think there's a there's something to be said about like we we probably should differentiate outlets and win cons though right like win cons are sort of like what get you to the point where you win the game right like it's like there's a there's a very fine line right like but i mean not every not every win con has that clear a dichotomy like i don't think i don't think i would say that lab man is an outlet for tainted pact well no no, no. so lab man but plus like, consult is the win con but lab man's still the outlet there lab man is what but, lets you win the game he just happens to also be part of the combo like I think that I d- I don't think that that in my mind that's not an outlet. Like some combos have outlets and some combos don't. And in my mind, console just doesn't have an outlet. Well, Fair. in terms of outlet terminology, that's typically used for to, it's almost exclusively used with going infinite in mana or resource some kind of resource, and and spend being able to spend that resource on the outlet. So whether that means you know you're looping the outlet card. To generate instead of having it be you know some generic enchantment that just says you know pay four mana deal one damage to an opponent, right? You're gonna loop some spell that says deal one damage to an opponent or destroy target permanent, etc. Um, but food chain, the win con, uh, food chain itself is does not 
incorporate the outlet into the combo itself the quote unquote combo like the the combo being making infinite creature mana and food chain's ability to exile a creature so your win con in most food chain decks or the most popular archetype of food chain which is uh first sliver food chain right now the first sliver is i guess is the first sliver isn't even technically your outlet it's giving you access the to an outlet turns, in the deck. The first sliver turns infinite creature mana into infinite cascades, which you turn into wins through yeah. cards that are in the deck. Yeah, I'd like to say that. I'd like to say that in this case, the first sliver is t- considered yeah. the outlet. Yeah, it, it was just. It's it's pretty clear that it's supposed to be the outlet, um, but it's not. Uh, just in case anyone wants to you know send us a message and be super pedantic about it <laughs> be like well i think actually, it's in the same category as tasker any, yes, right like yeah, you're taking same your category as tasker for sure yeah well but i think you could like you could actually argue that in many ways lab man is an outlet in food chain sliver in in specifically where, the context of the food chain combo in food chain yeah. sliver Yes, yeah. like that. And then like, it's actually yeah. an outlet because that's how most of, most of your wins come from like, some sort of also, assembling. I would probably say and exiling your deck. Twister loops are the outlet rather than like sliver. Still, like sliver is the thing that like twister lets loops. You draw. Twister loops account for like literally five percent. Sure, but like I'm more talking about like like the actual like the like the the stuff that actually like lets you win the game in that deck are like lab man, lab jace, twister loops, goblin bombardment. Sometimes like some other stuff. Like recursion loops, I think those are all like outlets. Whereas like sliver is probably just the thing that gets you there. I don't know. It's not yeah, why. So, if you want to, if you want to talk more about food chain as well, you look at food chain prosh, where the combo food chain is a combo with your commander, right? Which generates infinite creature mana, um, and, and then you creatures and infinite and yes creatures, yeah, and infinite uh, death triggers and all that stuff. Yeah, so you 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 can use that, and but your your actual way that you're winning the game is by having a high density of outlets that utilize those those various properties. You know, the creature ETBs from the infinite prosh, you know, making tokens, uh, generating creatures. So you know, something like a perforos, or some using the infinite uh, sack triggers by uh, running something. What's what's the uh, Eldrazi for two and two black? smothering abomination that's the one yep that's it got it okay right um yeah so having various cards that convert those infinite resources into a win yes those are the actual outlets yeah (laughs) can't even come up with the name on the spot come on what are you doing (laughs) uh yeah so food chain i think food chain is probably one of the more I don't want to say like complex, but it, it can it fits into like various categories depending on the deck with Prosh or Food Chain Sliver, and there's there's some nuance yes. there. But Food Chain um, is is uh, just a common win con that we're talking about in general here. Oh yeah, as like just as context for what we're talking about. Same thing for like the next one, Scepter, as in Ice Crown Scepter plus Dramatic Reversal, Iso Rev. Um, what else do you? Dramatic scepter. Dramatic scepter. Um, and yeah, like this is another. You're making infinite mana, and then also occasionally infinite untaps, and then you're doing with like exactly top. Yeah, and then then you're you're doing doing something with it. Something. 
Or what are you like doing, guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you were super proactive and you put a Thrasios in your command zone. But even then, Thrasios doesn't just straight up kill the people, right? You need to do something with that mana, oh. and uh, a lot of times that's that involves casting Time Twister and looping spells. <laughs> Whole bunch of twisters. Yeah. Time Twister, one of those cards that is just so hard to replace. Um, but yeah, so again, we've we've got the the sort of pattern emerging where when you're making infinite mana, a lot of times your commander can just be the middleman uh, that that allows you to uh, set up and establish loops or get to the cards that allow you to establish these loops. Uh, yeah, so Thrasio strong in your deck, uh, first sliver cascading through your deck. Tasker fills kind of both ends in the sense that it it fulfills the recursion role itself and not needing time twister, but is kind of like a hybrid between Thrasios just digging through your deck and the recursive element. Uh, yeah, uh, Scepter is pretty straightforward. You've got Hulk. Oh God, what can't you do with Hulk? Read, tell Good us. Old commander, what can't I do? Well, I can't. No, no, you can't yeah. have more than ninety nine or ninety eight cards in your library with Hulk, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And so even, even then, if you like, if you play with wish cards and a wish board, and you pull that Eldrazi out of your deck, you can even do that. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. So what? What? What sort of um, win cons does Hulk involve? Because there's so many uh, different ways yeah, you can it, take it, this. It's usually you're, you're easily you're usually sorry. Either making an infinite resource or abusing lab man, <laughs> or, the, or vastly simplifying it. But yeah, you do like this enabler thing <laughs> that lets you put together a lot of stuff, which is a two mana instant that's not okay. Um, and then you get either like infinite mana, infinite death triggers, something else with that, or you just abuse lab man. Sorry, um. Combo into a you combo. You said you're either making an infinite resource or abusing lab man. Uh, this question was about Hulk, not CEDH in general. Uh, so I see. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, isn't, isn't Hulk just CEDH, though? It's the, a very, yeah, it's this, a very good analog the for the rest of the format. Um, and So one thing I kind of want to point out is that the names of these win cons are generally... They, they, you, don't, you don't name the outlet, typically, right? Like... Sometimes in deck archetypes, you'll, I mean, Hulk isn't just the only, like there's, there's sub, uh, archetypes that, that define, right? So there's shuffle Hulk, breakfast Hulk, right? So, but most of these decks and win cons take their names after the core enabler. Rather um, than the outlet. Rather petition than the to, outlet. Yeah. Petition to start calling them all breakfast or, uh, calling them all. Labman Hulk or Blood Artist Hulk? Yeah, yeah man, <laughs> that's how just how you categorize. But then, yeah, what I do sign. you do with the Red Hulk decks? Oh no, <laughs> like Twister Loop Hulk. It, but, just the fact that the that the enablers is what usually defines the playstyle, right? It wouldn't make sense if you were just naming it, in, for instance, in Shuffle Hulk, just naming it after the uh, actual outlet that allows you to win the game. You just call the deck like what Thrasios Timna Blood Artist, and yeah. that doesn't that could be so many different things, right? <laughs> It like, just, just sounds like casual aristocrats or something. I feel like I feel like decks are <laughs> often sort of named after the first step you can take that leads you to deterministically winning the game, if not disrupted. Yeah, yeah that's that kind is, of that basically is a, what an enabler a, is. It yeah. is a unique step. 
is the big one there because if it you can't you, like it's it's the first step toward winning the game that is a you like a step that no that no other deck takes usually well i mean like even hulk decks are all named or like various flash hulk decks are still all referred to as flash hulk and then you specify the pile but yeah like, well, oh, well sure. so like, when you there's, there's in, some yeah, sure there's some sort of like not quite counter examples but i guess where things could go either way for instance so uh shimmerzer right takes its name from shimmer mer which arguably could be the first step in deterministically you know closing out the game but if you really want to rewind it you could kind of call it uh zer necropotent storm yeah but right like, like the problem is every zer deck is zer necropotent storm <laughs> it's not a unique identifier yeah i think that's yeah I, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get all, too much into it, but like, <laughs> yes and no. They run Necropotence, but like, in order to storm off with Necropotence, you need some pretty, uh, you need to be doing that in the end step, otherwise you're just going to be sculpting a hand of seven. Yeah, but Necropotence yeah. Storm doesn't imply that you're using the Necropotence to storm, it just implies that you're running Necropotence and storm. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, I think, sure. We can I think we can on. agree that generally <laughs> yes. decks are named. <laughs> After the first thing, that's the step towards the guaranteed win. Yeah. Oh, yes. The the classic Mulligan Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the classic Land Dork Land Timna Hulk. Yeah, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. What's um, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the Dyrol Hulk? Yeah. Yeah. So what, 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 it, we're, we're, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, we're never staying uh, on topic. <laughs> dude, you got, you missed it, man. It's the classic shuffle yeah, exactly. hog, right? Yeah, so, so shuffling cut Wind yeah. cons, wind cons where, where you're not going to get the name directly associated with the first step in, or in, the first step towards winning or the enabler are going to be decks that are really only have one straightforward play pattern. Um, or one established win con. So these are typically commander focused combos. So Gitrog Monster is not going to be called Gitrog Monster, you know, Dakmore Discard Outlet Titan Loops or something like that. Gitrog I mean, Titan fairness, Loops or whatever. The, the primer is, is named Gitrog Dredge. Gitrog Dredge. Yeah. Dredge. Yeah. But like that's, that's <laughs> when people, when people don't need to specify or, or won't usually specify, they will just say Gitrog. Because it's Gitrog does basically one thing. If it's a, it has a combo with, it has an infinite combo with the effect that the commander has. So you're always going to have access to that. And there's only one version of that combo. Well, like, I mean, with Gitrog, you could kind of get there's one you know, version the of the combo. Yes, but there's <laughs> there's one version of the combo. Um, but things like Yisan, where Yisan. Is is not named because Yisan isn't a combo piece. Yisan is the enabler. I mean, playing Yisan is definitely the first step on the deterministic <laughs> path to victory. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah, but but Yisan, yeah, Yisan is only assembling your combo, right? Um, but whereas something where I guess that's a bit more generic. So Yisan, your commander being a tutor with Yisan, you could look at something like Sidisi, uh, Mono Black Sidisi, where Sidisi is a tutor, um, but the deck is called Sidisi Ad Nauseam because, you know, I suppose you could set up some sort of, you know, Razakath combo or Reanimator combo. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, both of those are still named after like the first, like Barrett. Yes, it's Sadisi Barrett thing. alive Razaketh or Sadisi Adnazi, both of which are like yeah. But the, the first the people don't refer to Yisan as uh, yeah. Yisan Sabertooth. So now that right? we've gone but, completely off the rails and are talking about deck naming conventions, we can now, <laughs> and you guys now all have the context. We can now talk about why the deck's called Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Because the first part to a good day of Can playing magic is a healthy, balanced <laughs> breakfast. Mm, okay, <laughs> there, Kellogg's. Yeah, <laughs> relax. <laughs> All these secret sponsorships. Yeah. What's happening? Um, but yeah, Reed makes a good point. We've we've gone pretty into the weeds on <laughs> naming conventions, but I think I think it's been uh, illustrative, or at least hopefully our listeners find it uh informative generally the, regarding the, yeah, the naming other convention cons, yeah. and the anatomy of what constitutes like win cons in terms of enablers like i guess the term I don't, I don't know if there's like an official accepted terminology on things like thrasios people just typically call it an outlet um even though it's kind of like a middleman outlet yeah, sort of like enablers and outlets combo. yeah it certainly performs it's certainly redundant yeah. as an outlet um and you know it's nice to be able to properly name your deck but um at the same time definitely don't judge a book by its cover yeah the best way to name a deck is Especially to like, is is top down deck design by the way so you you come up with the name before you come up with the concept of the deck so you decide <laughs> yes i'm gonna name my deck raspberry jam and you figure out you break it down <laughs> raz yeah. okay yeah. razaketh Bears, that bear, like okay, hate yeah. bears, nice, nice, and you just the rest, it, it all makes itself. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> uh huh. I see. Yeah. See, yes, what yes, you can yes, also yes. do is you just build a deck, and then you go hand it to Labman Dan and just get him to come up with a name. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we have classics such as Razakats. <laughs> I like the name Razakats. Uh, I Razzacats think it needs to be changed yeah, to Razakats since they things. cut. Kazali Bride Mage, but <laughs> apart from that, it's good. <laughs> um, hey, my Razakats list does have two cats in it, so take that. What's the name of your Razakats list, Morgan? Mine is called Cat Burglars. Which is the best That's name of top all down, time, That's some top-down deck design. I'm <laughs> telling you guys, it's definitely not. Best I built the deck yeah. and then played it like three times, and then someone went, you should call that deck Cat Burglars. I was like, yeah, you're right, I should. Oh, see... Yeah, you should wow. you should have came with the name first. No shout out with that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, my mistake. Um. Yeah. So let's let's move on to what makes a wincon good. Quotes good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's. There's sometimes so sometimes you have to make yeah a lot of a lot of this is is contextual. How do you measure good, the greatness of a right? combo? Like, I guess. Yeah. Some some win cons are good in that color pair for your commander, right? So obviously Yisan is able to assemble a you know infinites with Teamer Sabretooth, but it, is that win con quote unquote good? I mean you don't see it played in other decks. That's because the commander provides a special form of enabling, right? But generic kind of win cons that don't have obvious synergy with the commander, like consult. Those are where you're typically going to see good win conditions or classically good win conditions. Um, and so we're going to evaluate whether a win con is good 
based off certain metrics. So uh, do you guys want to kick things off with the metrics? Well, not not we're going to evaluate even. I think just like you should evaluate. They just, are evaluated they on generally the basis you of these can metrics. Evaluate yeah. a win con based on a few things. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, big one. One of the largest things to consider is mana efficiency of a combo. How much does it cost to win the game with this combo? What do you got to um, pay I think into it? There's sort of one other thing that's kind of attached to that is. Um, how much like setup you need, which often people don't count as mana efficiency. And like, there are times where it's appropriate and there are times where it's not appropriate to count it. Yes. Um, so you just have to make sure that like you're factoring that in. Like I, I, as an example, something like a Razaketh win condition, like, are you saying, well, it technically costs, you know, green, green to have two creatures in play, or are you sort of saying well i'm just accepting that it doesn't work unless i have creatures in play or whatever like it, yeah. it varies from from deck to deck and from situation to situation but yeah like factor the, those in the, the mana efficiency of isochron scepter dramatic reversal um can look rather poor sometimes right if you're if you if you had to consider like oh i need to develop you know three signets and then develop isochron scepter plus dramatic reversal um Obviously, you know, three signets is a bit of a worst case scenario. Uh, but the the idea being, you don't always have to say include some of the setup or or a, I guess necessary requirements as include them in part of the mana efficiency or card efficiency um, categories. Which, by the way, yes. Let's let's just list the the other metrics. So mana efficiency, card efficiency, uh, low deck building requirements. And I'll also throw on um, interactability or, or resilience to interactability. So just yes, resilience. Just resilient. There you go. <laughs> yeah, got there. Um, but yeah, so you don't. You're not typically going to count the three signets in terms of I'm going to. That's going to cost me an additional three uh, net three mana. So bringing the total cost up to seven and an additional three cards. Because if your deck has a, if that's just kind of on game plan, like you don't. You don't count the land drops for instance as part of the card requirements for a combo because all combos are generally going to require having the requisite amount of lands to cast your spells so those are kind of just chopped off of all the combos because you don't you, you all that matters is kind of the the very end the actual cards that matter and aren't and that are more unique so yeah isochron scepter dramatic reversal really is just a two card four mana combo because you can kind of assume you have the dorks or rocks, but you but with those assumptions comes you have to roll that into the deck building restrictions that the card imposes on you, and that yeah. you're you're playing non land mana sources. So as long as you, it's basically this is a four mana two card win condition as long as you're meeting these deck building restrictions, right? Yeah, which is why Razaketh can is generally a very efficient uh, win con because all you need is you know entomb plus reanimate and some dorks in play which are something that you're is kind of already on game plan yeah, yeah. Uh, one dork and one mana or two door or one creature one mana or two creatures yep both of which are very easy to satisfy um and so the other i guess staple win cons that aren't uh commander dependent or aren't, aren't dependent on the commander as an enabler or as the uh 
or as a combo piece. Consult, you want to evaluate the mana efficiency, card efficiency. Uh, most of, just, we'll, we'll kind of get card efficiency out of the way. Pretty much every combo in CDH is going to be a two-card combo. Or it's going to be a three-card combo where one of the pieces in the, is in the command zone. Example, Gitrog. Discard Outlet Dakmore plus Gitrog, which you're always going to have access to. Um, the <laughs> In terms of card efficiency, the most efficient combo in CDH is is everyone's Sidney. favorite mono red deck. Godo Bandit Warlord. No. No, there's, I, think, yeah. I mean, there's another one that's equally and has more redundancy and resiliency, which is Nijila and yeah. any one of her outlets. But Nijila isn't a zero card. It has more redundancy, but it's not a more card efficient combo. Oh, you're saying because yeah. it finds yes. the... Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a meme answer. Yeah, Najila Najila is kind of one of those like one and a half card combos, because Najila is just so, it's just so easy to play, like so you know mana efficient, card efficient because it's literally yeah yeah it's, it's, yeah I guess it, it's a one card combo with lots of different cards <laughs> it, it and that's what makes it a just redundant <laughs> something so, of a combo with itself and lands yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah combos exactly. with land drops always something you want to hear dude Teamer Omnath baby but yeah so so consult yes. consult is very um very card efficient or at least it meets the standard of card efficiency uh so two cards but not every two card combo is run in cdh a uh, classic um two card combo that's going to see playing more mid to high power decks is dead eye navigator plus palancron or palancron plus uh phantasmal image uh the problem with those combos is that they have higher i guess they're not really deck building requirements but um initial requ- yeah, yeah, so with Palancron combos, like you need to have a if, if you're comboing with Phantasmal, but you need to have at least seven lands in play, and also you need or a, seven you mana need enough worth non-painful of blue sources, yes. which a lot of people often neglect. And you also need yeah. incredible amounts and, of and mana to yeah. initially start it off in the first place. <laughs> yeah, so so these are one of the things where where we were talking about, you know, um, requiring land drops. We're not really going to count that, but it it really. You can kind of brush those away when your when your when your combo requires very few lands, I suppose. Like when it's kind of par for the course for the rest of the format in terms of how many lands it requires. So Razaketh, uh, a lot of the cheap mana lines involve finding sacrificing a creature and then finding uh, life death to cast life and make your lands into tutors to kind of you know accelerate. Or, or get net more tutors out of that. Uh, but obviously, if you're assembling this off of purely like a early game Chrome mocks into dorks or something along those lines, you're not going to be able to meet those requirements. But that said, the requirements for lands and uh, Razakat's combo are so few that people typically don't count it. Whereas something like a Palancron Phantasmal Image does have quite a few land requirements. So that is something to consider as in terms of stuff that is required on your board while before you can combo yeah it's not quite anti-synergy but it's not particularly synergistic with non-land mana sources as uh, your primary yeah mana and but then so dead eye dead eye navigator plus palancron is something that doesn't require a lot of lands but doesn't is is very weak in terms of mana efficiency uh 
and very very high CMC cards. It's a two card combo, so it meets our card the the standard for card efficiency, but falls short on mana efficiency. Uh, and because it's so mana inefficient, it, it kind of imposes increased deck building requirements. Like I wouldn't like it's hard to think about it as a two card combo when it really is like at a tomb or buried alive plus reanimation. Yeah. So and then you, you, yeah. Um. Yeah, so Consult really gets away with this because it is it fits the card efficiency, mana efficiency. Uh, it does have some deck building requirements, but yes, but this is it, a big this is a big but. Lower. Tainted Pact is, I mean, it's it's there is an argument for how is it is it very low to have to completely alter your mana base and make yourself weak to Blood Moons and back to basics. I mean, speak like for yourself yes, playing a two color deck, but. For a lot of four color and five color decks, it's not large alterations is a thing. Well, I'm, right? I'm thinking more along the lines of like something like Xur, right? Where in a Shimmer Xur, if you're going to go into Tainted, uh, you're going to have to cut your high tide mana base, right? You're going to go down from probably like eight islands to two islands. And so high tide really isn't an option anymore. So there, there are deck building requirements, but it has payoff outside of the combo. Right, so Tainted Pact isn't just a combo card, whereas something like Deadeye and Palancron are really only going to be useful for your combo. But Tainted Pact is just a generically very strong card. Uh, so the deck building requirements kind of balance out on that front. So you, there, those are things you need to consider. And then the final uh, require the, the final um, metric was resiliency, which of course the console combos are famously very resilient to uh stacks pieces and hate well, so famously not and cards like consultation to... also <laughs> or <laughs> for that matter <laughs> right well yeah with jace that's that's why i became yeah, yeah historically yeah correct read gold star for you yeah so an- another point for another point for tainted pact um when it comes to card efficiency and food chain combo is you can go look for your food chain with this card and in the meantime also exile one of yeah, your cards which is very <laughs> castable yeah uh, um yeah and, and and one thing one thing yeah, to consider pair. as well is card quality in terms of win cons so if you can play like we were talking about with outlets um and having the outlets be cards that you would already want to run so typically decks aren't going to just jam a lab jace for value but you know i've definitely run tainted pact as a card just for value so the card quality if it's sufficient is something that you can kind of take points in favor for running that card and it's less of a even though if there's a deck building requirement for it you're getting a nice payoff because the card is just standalone good yeah yeah like one of that's also true of like more stormy uh decks and ice scrum scepter dramatic reversal where i mean yes there's the meme case where you put like counter spell under dramatic reversal or sorry under ice crown scepter but like dramatic reversal is a very real ritual hot take i feel like that's a uh (laughs) that's an underplayed 
I think people probably sandbag scepters. Are we, far are we getting too late. into this? Please don't. <laughs> no, we, we're not. I'm just going to say I, I've definitely seen it where a just a value isochron scepter has been. If you're not going to sandbag it for the combo and you've got, you know, combo redundancy, just jamming that out is a solid, solid yeah. p- play to make. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like a Narset's reversal yeah. or if a you have, If you have combo that, redundancy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is a key piece. Yeah. Narset, Narset's reversal certainly is special on its own but Mandarin <laughs> or oh or god. infinite Dovin's vetoes sometimes so. oh god Dovin's veto Dovin's veto oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the idea being that like yeah as Flynn was saying dramatic reversal is an incredibly unique card as well and so, like it's the really the only card of its kind and it's a very very efficient ritual in a lot of decks just on its own even without the combo yeah, yeah like, and even, even if you untap like mana vault plus fell warstone like that's actually insane. Yeah, just yeah. on just uh, on its own. Yeah, yeah definitely. I was gonna. I was also gonna make the case with consult that, um, to lab man not very useful on its own. I guess it's a Timna blocker, but you know, ignore that. Uh, Trades with the, Timna. Like Jace, Jace is kind of Please worst don't. case scenario a really bad value, like a really bad Phyrexian arena. It is a killable. That's not nothing. Killable Phyrexian arena. <laughs> Also, it costs one triple. Yes, that too. <laughs> but it's also, but like that's it's true, and you wouldn't run the card purely off card quality like you might with a tainted pact. But Lab Jace is something that is like, if if the game gets to that point, it is fine to just jam out as a value engine. So it's it's not it's not a blank card. It's a blank card. It's definitely a blank. I would I would like, much rather not expose one of my win cons as being beat to death rather than like you know just keeping it in hand and like I'm not saying it's, a ga- it is, it's certainly a gameplay just... decision but like it, it it isn't blank like you can okay, there I, are times when you want to think in this particular I think in this particular case it's mana efficiency far in terms of a bad um aspect of the card it's mana efficiency certainly outweighs its card efficiency like it's yes technically it's efficient as a value engine but the triple blue is hard to uh yeah hard to justify like i i don't think if it if it was somehow worded so that it's plus did nothing unless you were winning the game like it just didn't mill and draw cards but the it did when you were trying to win the game I don't think that would affect playing the card like there I don't think there's a single deck that would drop it off the back of that so no 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 one drops it but I'm saying is that card, it, it does make like, the fact it's that it very clearly that? better uh, the fact that it has a plus that you can use to if the game somehow gets stalled out like games get stalled out sure it's not uh, irrelevant text but you're you're right it's not you know it's not so relevant text, that, yeah. though, if literally no one has made a decision based on that fact. Like, I mean, we can just agree to disagree because... I guess. Yeah, it, I, I, like, there are times when you're going to want to play that Would card. Would be productive. For the value, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I had to throw some tags on that card, I think I would go with Linden, but if I, in practice, I think I'd go I, with I think with I'm with Matt here. <laughs> There's an in-between. Yeah. There's a middle ground here. Yeah. Um... I think that actually sort of rolls into another subtopic that we had lined up here, which is properly counting a WinCon package. Um, I think we're going to handle this a bit. We were going to handle this a bit later, but I think the segue is a bit too good to pass up. Um, 
where yeah, uh, just talking about like how to properly count cards that are involved in your win con or cards that you need to win, dead cards in your win package. All yeah, so this stuff. is this is gonna kind of. I guess it's not a direct offshoot of, but like deck building, low deck building requirements. So Hulk, you know, famously has some pretty, pretty high deck building requirements and is a, has lots of pieces in the combo. Uh, it's mana efficiency and card efficiency. People will count it as a two card combo, but a lot of the actual combo pieces, right? If you're trying to count the cards for your combo, are going to be baked into the deck itself. Uh, so, Reed, you can definitely talk about this. Well, yeah, it's like... Um, Resident Hulk expert. I think it would, like... It's it's one of those, like, counting dead cards. I, I, I like to separate just... Sorry, I'm going to pick apart a statement there um, that you said is that, um, like, it's as in, like, it's a quote-unquote two-card combo. Um we're like I think the way that I like to think about cards involved in a combo like Hulk is more like it is a two card combo and it is two mana. It just has costs associated with it. Like it's a it's a two card two it's a two card two mana combo that also yeah, makes the, the cost the costs come quality. in yeah in the deck building yeah. requirements. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's. At least that's what I was trying yeah. to say. Rather, rather, yeah, um, but like, just because I see a lot of people trying to quantify Hulk is like, well, it's not actually a two-card combo because you have to run all these, like, ten cards in your deck or whatever that don't actually do anything. It's like, yes, but it doesn't stop the fact that it's a two-card combo. It just imposes additional restrictions on it. It's a two-card combo in-game, not in-deck Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's actually a... Okay, okay. Spleen, every, <laughs> every single episode, Spleen hits you with something that we're going to use... At some point later on, gonna add that to my repertoire. Yes, it's a it's a two card combo in game. It's like a twelve card combo in deck building. Yeah, and, and Hulk, of course, deck building restrictions that though that high in terms of like you know requiring 10, 12 cards to be functional, but typically kind of get the axe because card quality or generic card quality is so high in CDH. You don't want to be drawing duds, but off the back of mana efficiency, card efficiency, and resiliency, uh, those are basically the just maxed out. <laughs> so uh, when you, when you have like the four bars, yeah, like the yeah. four fighter bars, right? Like, yeah. you know, like you have like a you have a bunch of like Mario karts. <laughs> and it's like the speed, power, and like resiliency. You, you, yeah, like those are like typically like the the pentagon yeah, yeah. shape with like yeah, 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 just yeah. like it's just like all <laughs> lopsided on one side and one of them is just zero. Yeah, yeah. you're picking your cart in Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gotta have I, I, dude, no, no low, low control all speed. Yeah, like you're just you're, you're just scrolling yeah, through dude. the different win cons. Uh, uh, yeah. One other thing that I think is important, like Hulk, has sort of a very obvious. Well, depending on the Hulk build, has a very obvious set of cards that are part of the deck building requirements in your win con package like clearly your blood artist your uh cephalolutionist and uh nomads and core like stuff like that it's like clearly that's part of your win con package um but even in if we look at something like shuffle hulk there's some less obvious ones like is pattern of rebirth or is academy rector 
or Body Snatcher part of your Wing Con package. Yeah. I guess Academy Rector is probably a better one because Academy Rector plus Sack Outlet represents a win. Yes. Like that can, you know, there are reasons to count it and there are also reasons to not count it. Um, and another card that I think has a lot of cards like that um, that people often don't count is Ad Nauseam, where when you build an Ad Nauseam deck, you start throwing in, you know, maybe mana rocks that you wouldn't run otherwise. Like, does this deck really need a mana vault? Well, we're going to put it in, you know, things like Lotus Petal, Dark Ritual, like cards like that, where if you were not playing Ad Nauseam, like having cut Ad Nauseam from a couple decks in the past, I've looked at this and been like, man, I can cut like four cards that were actually just in there to enable Ad Nauseam. But like, you don't think of that when you play an Ad Nauseam deck. Ad Nauseam probably is one of the most uh, hard to categorize win cons uh, on this front, right? Because when does it cross the line from being a value card into a into a win con? <laughs> like you can kind of are you obviously cards like uh angel's grace make it into a very clear-cut combo of drawing your deck but even still in that case if you're tapping out you still do need a certain threshold of zero mana rocks and rocks that you can kind of chain into each other to turn that into a win con from that i guess i guess drawing your entire deck with adnos angel's grace is an enabler but yet you still need to use uh, certain cards to get to the outlet. So there's that. But then if you're just ignoring an Angel's Grace combo, right? Like in Storm, Ad Nauseam is a win con, right? You can oftentimes tap out, okay, well, I'm going to be... It depends on how how thin your deck is built and uh, and how much you're trying to maximize this. I mean... but. You can, I have seen it happen, and I've done it myself, where you can tap out for an Adnaz, uh, either playing like Storm or Gitrog or something, and then, as Morgan was saying, use these pieces that you don't necessarily consider part of the quote-unquote combo, your mana vaults, your mana crypts and whatnot, uh, Lotus Petals, to just generate a win from drawing so many cards. But again, where do you draw the line between drawing a bunch of cards and a combo and honestly i do want to point out though when it comes to adnaz um with a recent development of dockside extortionist it does feel very much like a two-card combo yeah i mean i can see that honestly though like that that question of where where in this range like tell me where in this range adnaz switches from being a value card to a combo card I feel like we could do an entire episode on that, <laughs> right? Like, I think uh, the, I think the best way to encapsulate that is to say that it's the number one efficient card. It's like there's there's no card Ad, more Ad efficient than a lot of things really well. Yeah, because it does yeah. everything really well. <laughs> um, and then I guess we can round off this category of what makes a win con good with talking about the commander-specific combos we were talking about before, and so evaluating the, again, mana efficiency, card efficiency, deck-building requirements, and resiliency. So actually, resiliency is something we we didn't we, we briefly touched on with console, but it's, it's definitely can't be uh, understated as an important um, as an important aspect for card value, for combo 
win con um, evaluation. Although I'm not sure, just before we get into this, I'm going to preface, I'm not sure that resiliency really will overrule the primary like really so like really like the big two that you look at are like mana efficiency and card efficiency and then like i think below that is yeah. like the deck building requirements in general and then i think you start looking at resiliency i'm not sure well, that we like, can we yes. can look at we can look at um something like world gorgeous dragon this is a very mana efficient very card efficient combo um i suppose one of the problems with world gorgeous dragon combo is that you can draw the game but if you're doing that you're not losing the game so that's i don't know it's, it's kind of, it's kind don't of hard draw, to evaluate please don't draw yeah. the game <laughs> <laughs> please um, stop encouraging them <laughs> yeah but this is one that does have that does suffer from uh resiliency problems yeah Where like unlike something like a razaketh where Sometimes you can you kind of achieve the same end result. Exile all permanents target player controls. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad one. <laughs> yeah, so Razaketh will achieve the same end result a lot of the time, where you're gonna set up infinite mana, but it does have the ability to, you know, someone goes after you resolve your reanimation, someone tries to source to plowshares your Razaketh. Uh you can just sack a dork and find a pact of negation or you know whatever or mental misstep like thing. yes yeah there, yes. there's all kinds of yeah i can't believe yeah i can't believe yeah, you man. didn't say get rog man because all you have to do is yeah. discard <laughs> a land can't do anything right you just, in response yeah. to discard a land land uh, the the best thing i saw on reddit was like lands yeah. or counter spells <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, that's quote, funny lands or counter spells in get rog Dude, they're basically the same thing, right? Extirpate, discard a land. Easy. Uh, <laughs> Get around it. Sun spoiling? Uh, doesn't matter. Just discard a land. Bit late. But I like mean, if- I mean, <laughs> if you have, you can sack a land. If you're playing Scourge Familiar, yeah, there are counter spells against Extirpate, but... <laughs> oh, split second. But, um, like, but yeah. Certainly, I don't think I... Oh my, oh my god, but wait, you can get around split second if you have like a remora in play and then you can Dude, replace the yeah. remora draw, right? Yeah, you can or you can just use uh mana abilities in the or, form or, of like Lake of the you Dead. Can unmorph the counter spell dude and then counter the split second card because it doesn't use the yeah. stack. Oh boom. Wow. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> take that. Yeah, well, let's like, let's yeah. I just get back on just, track. Like read yeah. you read you said, you know, resiliency to hate doesn't like overrule the other two and that's certainly true like i don't think a four card eight mana combo that is resilient to all common forms of hate would see a lot of play but like it certainly lets you get away with combos that are less efficient or like slightly less efficient than maybe some of the competition like one of the decks that i've been playing around with a lot uh is hull and teller of tales and like that deck can Completely Shoot ignore lane Null for unless, anyone who wants to, who's goes by that, that can pronunciation. Completely, <laughs> completely ignore like cage effects and then and null rod effects or like rest in peace, and you can actually win through curse totem. Although it certainly attacks your mana, um, and like yes, you know my commander plus say Alluren and Shrieking Drake is less efficient than some other combos, but 
like the fact that my deck gets to run that hate and also play through it is certainly also a relevant factor. I definitely, yeah, I definitely didn't mean to say that like resiliency isn't a factor. I just think that like when you're doing trade-offs between these qualities of a combo, I think there's a lower exchange rate between resiliency. It's got a lower weight. Yeah. Yeah, resiliency certainly has a lower weight. And I, actually, um, I do think um, it's good. It's probably something to note that I think that while it does have a lower like rate of exchange between like I'm going to trade off some of like the resiliency of this combo for a bit more efficiency in like cards or a bit more mana efficiency or whatever. I think there's a baseline for a lot of combos in CDH where like you have to be at least this resilient to a degree. It's just like you I don't even you have to at least not lose to rip cage null rod and curse totem. Like you you have to at least be able to win through something. <laughs> I I used to kind of think that, but I'm thinking that less and less. Yeah. Honestly, like Is, like some of the combos I see, like people do Bomberman things and it just kind of works. Or like some of the World Gorger decks that, like, yes, they don't technically lose to Null, like you can still win through Null Rod, but you can't realistically get to your winning state through Null Rod and like you still lose to Curse Totem and Cage. Like, certainly, it's surprising how non-hate-proof a lot of win-cons that see very common play actually are. That is fair. Why are people still playing Bomberman? Why are, so, <laughs> so, why are people still playing uh, Goto? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. Oh, jeez. Dave, you're going to talk Watch smack yourself. about good old Bomberman three-card combo. <laughs> you know what? Goto doesn't make you discard Dude, your but hand. LED is just a black lotus. Yeah, Come but on. Bomberman doesn't die to Torpor Orb, so. Exactly. What? Who's running Torpor Orb? Oh, <laughs> I'll run it just to show you. I'll That'll show learn you. Whoever's suffering through a Goto meta. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, any, any other. Oh, yeah. So, commander specific stuff. Uh, oftentimes. If it's you can't discount the cost of your commander in terms of mana efficiency, but a lot of times if you're trying to do that as part of your game plan anyway, like in Gitrog, you're just going to cast Gitrog because you want it for value. Uh, you, you don't typically count that in terms of the mana efficiency of the combo, even though technically you would have to because Gitrog plus putridimp plus dacmore you know that's going to be six mana and that doesn't really cut it for a three card combo in commander right you do need to consider the fact that you have access to it in the command zone and that's part of your game plan yeah uh but you also you definitely can't ignore it as well like yep it, you definitely it, can't you ignore do it. have to pay at least five and get your get rogue monster into play yep yeah another kind of like resilient combo i do want to mention quickly is uh, Teamer Sabretooth plus Dockside, which I've I don't know how many times <laughs> I've mentioned that now on this episode, but um, it it also you can play things like Collector Oof or to to abstract you know creatures that um, go against your combo because Teamer Sabretooth lets you return it to your hand. Sort of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I found that to be extremely powerful uh, in a game we played where um, 
a player essentially created like 60 mana with an oof in play by just recasting their um, dockside and then returning the oof to their hand and having like, you know, a crazy I guess it's kind of a similar principle to like what Raspberry Jam, the end of the end offensive deck that I built uh, runs on where like a lot of your hate that would normally impact you like a rule of law or, you know, collector oof interferes with your combo but because they're in the form of creatures and you can kind of just sack them to Razaketh, you don't have to worry about that i believe that was also a principle in god i hope i'm right i think it was two's deck it was one of the sans blue hulk decks uh which was like an aristocrats hulk deck where the deck could afford to place like a containment priest in it because you're playing like five sack outlets and your main line to the win in the first place was just have a sack outlet out and do sack outlet things. So the idea was like you'd use containment priest to screw over other decks and then just sacrifice it on the turn that you were going off. Oh, nice. So when are you going to add Yixla Jailer to shuffle? Exactly. (laughs) Dude, just wait for the day. I'm going to put a ley line of the void in there and just get people. Trust me. Uh, okay. Does anyone have anything else to say yeah, on just, this topic? Yeah, just one other um, thing, sort of in the vein of commander-specific strategies. One other thing that often gets overlooked when talking about resilience is how easily you come back from, say, like a piece being milled or countered, or like how hard is it for you to try again? Um, so, like the most extreme, the most extreme version of you can always try again is uh is the Muldroth of Phantasmal image combo where it literally doesn't matter if the pieces are in your hand or graveyard. But like certain combos, you know, like Isochron Scepter is a big one where if your Isochron Scepter gets destroyed or bounced, then you've already imprinted Dramatic Reversal and then you don't have access to it. Um, so these are other things to consider. Maybe not in the context of evaluating a single win con, but you know, many decks have more than one win con. And considering how resilient your win con is to disruption like that, how difficult it is to try again uh, if something goes wrong, is something you should consider when deciding what alternate win cons you're running as well. And I kind of I have an opposite example that I think just to solidify the point more, um, a bit outdated, but with like um, to ferry if your chain veils in hand and you can't combo and an opponent, you know cast a wheel and you're like i can't counter this wheel and you're certainly you certainly can't counter every single wheel that's get that gets played in the whole game you're kind of pants down like how the hell do i get this chain bell back into my hand or back into my deck and the answer is literally just time twister or you know academy ruins and if your opponents see that it's it's game over yeah yeah that's yeah you see you see stuff like this with with food chain as well and whereas decks like Shuffle Hulk fall much closer to Muldrotha. Same with Gitrog, much closer to Muldrotha, where you've got uh, you can utilize the pieces in your grave through piling, clever piling, or you know if you've got a survival, tutoring up an, uh, your Titan and then discarding it to shuffle in the pieces back and Shuffle God, Hulk or Gitrog. You've got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in in Gitrog you've got uh, Dakmar cards with Dredge, so basically just one draw trigger away from being back in your hand. Yeah, uh, yeah, stuff to cool. consider. So it, I think that wraps it up for uh, our core topic there. 
so before we we put this whole wincon topic to bed uh let's talk about what to consider when choosing your win conditions so a lot of what we've already covered is this is kind of just you know putting a bow on it because properly evaluating a win con uh and what makes one a win con playable are some what you're gonna it's kind of the core of what to consider when picking a win con but you know we can sort of get into a bit more specifics uh so do you guys want to cover this sure so i think oh go ahead yeah go ahead. um so i think the first point um i always think about is um does my win condition um lose to like regular regularly occurring hate and this can come in the form of like Ristic study, you know, null rod, curse totem, um, even just like things that you wouldn't even think of, like runic armasaur. Does verity circle somehow stop my combo? Um, you know, is is losing a creature to a gilded drake just a game ending, you know, condition for me? Uh, definitely, got to think about those kind of just random yeah. things. Uh, I, this is, you know, it possibly is a meta dependent, but generally speaking, like to be being prepared for all these scenarios is is a good. Um, well, it certainly it certainly is meta dependent. I just want to kind of jump off of what Morgan was saying earlier. He was joking about running Torpor Orb uh, to counter Goto, and that's something that Goto doesn't really have to factor into the equation when losing to Hate because Torpor Orb is not regularly occurring in terms of Hate. Uh, but things like Null Rod, Curse Totem, uh, Graph Digger's Cage, Rest in Peace, uh, Aven Mind Sensor, these are going to be cards that are going to be differing, differing levels of popularity depending on your meta and the types of decks that people see, right? So if there's lots of Hulk, uh, probably not a good time to play Yisan because Graph Digger's Cage is going to be very pervasive. Uh, if your deck is, if your meta is very uh, dork heavy, you know, probably not a good time to play Yisan because Curse Totem is going to fuck you up. Uh, but you know, if if your if your meta is very uh, artifact heavy and there's lots of null rods running around, you can definitely pick your win condition to be resilient to those kinds of effects. And like. Even aside from like picking decks like that, also just like when you're building a deck, picking win conditions. Um, so like looking at, uh, say you want to build some, I don't know, what trust him to value deck, uh, with good cards in it, and you're like, hmm, <laughs> what win cons do I want to put in this deck? Um, yeah, do I want to make myself? Do I want to go with Ice Scepter Dramatic Reversal and make myself vulnerable to? Uh null rod effects or do i want to build something a little more resilient well i think it actually starts with like i want to name a deck after yeah. a type of cereal so i'm going to build yes. a thrasios timna value deck <laughs> well and then yeah see we've unwrapped another layer to the name now and this one was actually pre-planned um is that you've <laughs> <laughs> uh, gone to the point in the episode where Reed oh, can reveal boy. his master well, you guys, plan you guys keep setting me up so well to keep unwrapping layers to this name because the name is fantastic <laughs> by the way dude you're this the the cinnamon bun unravels further yeah i think when, <laughs> oh, when you have to tell everyone that the name is fantastic that's a great indicator 
Oh, it is. Oh, dude, explaining <laughs> the joke just makes it way more funny. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but, but this is actually funny. Crunch, if you'll notice, the abbreviation, the initials to that is CSC. No, it's not. It's CTC. There we go. Gotcha. I was, I was testing <laughs> that you were paying attention. CTC. Yeah. yeah. That was the first two initials of that stand for Consultation Thrasios. So you're just gonna do the classic backronym. So you've you've got you've got the uh, you've got an acronym. You just need to fill yeah. in the letters. Well, yeah, so it's, today it's on called post talk rationalizations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm playing this new deck. It's called ARG, and it's. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah. So anything else for when you're picking your win conditions? Yeah, I think. Mm. I mean, so not losing to regular recurring hate, but also um, what hate you're able to play in your deck is also is something that's very nice to consider when picking your win con. Um, like, that's what makes some combos more or less attractive in certain metas. But also, uh, some other things is when you're picking your win condition, you need to consider sort of what your deck's overall game plan is and one of the big things is when you're trying to win, like certain combos don't lend themselves particularly well to drawn out game plans. Certain ones do. Certain ones want to be more in the middle. And, you know, certain like things like your card quality, uh, what commanders you have to run to enable your win con, like things like that will also be influencing. You know, one of the biggest examples is food chain most food chain commanders don't grind well at all so food chain is a reasonably low mana intensive combo because you can exile dorks and so it lends itself well to a deck that tries to win early whereas something else might not lend itself as well and you need to think about that when you're building your deck like going back to Godo, the example we've been talking about for some reason um, <laughs> a lot of people built it to be like a very fast deck. Like it was just jam as much mana as possible, get to 11 as soon as possible. Yeah. Run, run pyretic ritual, desperate ritual. Like, yeah, but like, very, yeah, desperate ritual. <laughs> but like, maybe that doesn't make the most sense. Like maybe considering how much, like when you build your deck that way, how much it sucks when you like Goto gets countered is like the first thing that pops into my mind when I think of that. You know, like you cast a million rituals, Goto gets countered, you're like, well, I just burned all my rituals and you don't have a ton of defense against that. Like maybe that's a deck where it makes sense to include some stuff that slows it down, a few less rituals, try and win a little bit later, which is something that's, I think the deck has been shifting towards, you know, leaning into things like Blood Moon, Stranglehold, uh, possibilities trinity sphere possibility tabernacle yeah yeah so you know you you have to match your wink on with your with the deck that it's going in all right i think that puts a nice uh little bow on this topic and we can get into everyone's favorite subject topic category thing Gut check. Yeah. Gut check. 
<laughs> segment. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Holy I hope you didn't moly. turn your volume up there. <laughs> that was a massive brain fart. I couldn't oh, think of the word segment. R.I.P. Oh, wow. headphone users. Is that yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, Maybe not yeah, your favorite segment. Not anymore. Uh, well, if they can even still hear it. Um, yeah, so let's... I don't, I don't need to contextualize this, uh, this gut check too much. So let's just have at her. What, what do you think is the best entry deck into the format? So if you were to recommend a deck for a new player who is new to CDH, what deck would you recommend? And no budget, I'm assuming. No budget. <sighs> hmm. Boop, boop, boop. I kind of have two different answers, but read. I think so. I think I think my answer has been a bit too tainted by what I've like my copy paste script for when people come in asking for decks, but. Mm. I, I I think I'll give it anyway. Okay. Also, also, I'm just gonna throw in with this gut check. You give the deck and like just a don't don't go into a full tirade. I know because gut check, we're not supposed to explain things too much. But just give like a one sentence why, or like if you can like one sentence or just a really short reason why you think this is the deck. Okay, Matt. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm choosing Scepter Thrasios. Um, that's a bit of a category, but my reasoning is you get access to a lot of the most powerful cards in the format um, while also having a very simple um, uh, okay. con package. Morgan? It's kind of a nice, it's kind of like a dip your toes into everything my situation. Go to, just kidding. Mm-hmm. My answer, <laughs> <laughs> my answer is... <laughs> Uh, my answer is Najila, uh, because you have a very simple uh, win con in that deck, and so it, like, not having to focus on that means it helps train you to pay attention to what it is your opponents are doing, which I think is one of the skills that new players most need to develop. Reed? Uh, I think, like, similar-ish lines. Uh, my answer has pretty much always been historically... Grixis Twin, um, but now has sort of been updated to Grixis Consult, and specifically Cast Consult, um, for most of the same reasons. Uh, not necessarily for the same reasoning, but um, the win con is very simple. Uh, you don't really have to think about it. You just know that you have this A plus B, and it's very intuitive. And that opens up a lot of other, like, you know, like area in the deck to do like, okay, I, I, I'm going to learn how counter spells work. I'm going to learn how removal works. I'm going to learn how all this stuff works. My answer is the deck with the, cause I definitely agree with, with Morgan and Reed, uh, the simplicity, well, I guess Matt, Matt also said this as well, a plus B, the simplicity of the combo is paramount. So I, uh, my deck is the simplest of simple combos is it a helmet and that deck? is <laughs> it is a helmet deck <laughs> because my my pick is uh go to bandit warlord helm host combo <laughs> um and yeah just to kind of piggyback off what morgan was saying 
Don't lump yourself. <laughs> Morgan wants nothing. To <laughs> Honestly, do I think I think Morgan's I think Morgan's answer is is if I wasn't picking Goto, I'd pick Najila. I think Najila's like a really good choice. Uh, the one thing I would say is that I think uh, if the deck is too high in interactivity. <laughs> which Goto certainly isn't. Uh, there's not a lot of decisions points for new players, so they basically get to focus on their combo and their, and then they can pay attention to what everyone else is doing, learning what their decks do and learning how other people decide when to what points are the best interaction points. So learning how to use your interaction. Certainly what I'll say about Najila... You don't have to devote a lot of brain power to it. <laughs> certainly what I'll say about my Najila answer is I think it's a good one if your goal is to train people up as fast as possible. It might not be as good an answer if your goal is to maximize quality of life for the player's opponents. Yes. Yeah. Those are two yeah. Giving someone Najila is like... Yeah. Or, or, or like... <laughs> Throwing if, them someone into the deep like end. Or if you a new player, like, okay, they, they have to play a tournament immediately with this deck. Which one do you give them? I think Goda's probably the better answer there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cast Goto, yep. smile and wait yeah. for your opponents. Can to you see count it? to eleven? <laughs> that's that's the that's the Goto test. Um all right, so before we wrap the show up, we've got a couple of listener questions. So our first listener question comes from Oh god. <laughs> screwed up, uh, screwed up. Z nope. Z no, Nope. No. What is it? Morgan? You give Morgan it a shot, Reed. Huh? Zoo Coddle? Uh, Chicotl? Chicotl? Uh, it is. Okay, it's it's X-I-U-H-C-O-A-T-L. There we go. Foolproof. Definitely, definitely Coddle. Um, you seem to know. Sure. Yeah, so, it, well, it, no, no, it was because I knew that, knew that uh, Lyndon was not going to get the X correct there. X is a C-H, yes. Uh, okay. Well, X I U H C O A T L is uh, <laughs> is one of our patrons. It's not an one of our patrons. Uh, so, of course, if you're a patron, you get priority for listener questions. Uh, so they ask, "Could you do an in-depth episode on Four Color Rashmi? I have started playing the deck and really enjoy the playstyle. However, I don't have the best grasp on what I should be tutoring for. Some things, i.e., Sig, Runic, uh, and I also have a little bit of a tough time letting go of Notion Thief in my list. So, not really a question we can answer in listener questions. This is more of a, can you do an episode on on Four Color Rashmi? Which we want to include this to say that yes, we definitely have plans to do an in-depth episode on Four Color Rashmi. Uh, we do the special episode series, so there's been a bit of a lull in the special episodes because we've had some scheduling conflicts and technical issues. Uh, so we're going to be trying to uh, address those and, and get back on the regularly scheduled ideal of once per month having a special episode. And Four Color Rashmi is definitely uh, on the list of episodes we'd like to do sooner rather than later so you know yeah i, I don't want to over promise and say you know next month but uh you know look for that within the next three to eight months but yeah like <laughs> <That's> tr <laughs> trust me as, as a show of good faith i i will take as much time as i can possibly get on this podcast to talk about four color rashmi and decks like it so i'm i'm definitely super motivated to attempt to put a special episode together right so 
Yeah. And uh, let's get into a more questiony episode, <laughs> a more questiony question uh, uh, for one of our listener asks. And this comes from uh, listener Gilliam. With the small exception of Gitrog, Yisan, Goto, God, that's a good, that's a good list right there. Uh, and, a, <laughs> and a slew of Tana Timna decks. Non-blue is often conflated with non-viable in CDH. Do any of you see this argument becoming stronger or weaker with the printing of Veil or Summer, or a Veil of Summer, or possibly brewing of newer, clever farm decks or World Gorger decks, or do we simply need entirely new non-blue commanders? If so, what do they look like? Um. Hmm. Well, I certainly wouldn't say that's a small exception, and I think we kind of well, demonstrated yeah. that. Yeah, I think, honestly, but... I, I kind of reject the premise of the question a little bit. I made a big show uh, <laughs> a few months ago when I said I thought black was the best color in CDH, but like genuinely, some of the non-black commanders that don't see play are insanely strong, and the fact that they don't see play is kind of a testament to how necessary black is over blue in many ways. Stuff you, like what, what are some examples? Yeah. Uh, Derevi is the, the yeah. tech, the text on that card is absurd. And the fact that it's not really playable, um, or like even, you know, to a lesser degree, something like uh, grand arbiter or like the struggle that the Jeskai decks have had like they're not bad decks with the new with the two new Jeskai commanders, but they're certainly not great decks. And historically, and yeah, yeah. And imagine imagine if you had black and Derevian, you could like more easily. I guess I guess I'd give you access to like consult, right? But and then Derevi's ability being Derevi's also just ability, give you just, access to the pieces you needed when yep. you need them, which would yeah. Be and also like nice. <laughs> like cards like uh, Brago has an insane text on him um like if if you could oh, if, yeah. you could, God, if, you, if you could mm, if you could consistently yeah, find insane, like any yeah. of the black like permanents that draw cards or like just any of that stuff he would be absolutely insane right like you just if you could consistently find the cards that actually make you do things that card is entirely too good the same actually with tigum if Tygum was blue black, yeah, Ty- Tygum is absolutely is, oh, gross. like disgusting. Yeah, like well, what do you mean? Tygum is Tygum is blue black. The the card text on Tygum, <laughs> the card text, <laughs> Tygum, okay, not the DC card text. Time Master is legitimately absolutely disgusting. That like that card text should yeah. not have been printed. It is like way too good for what it is, and it still doesn't see play because it's in blue white. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, it makes dragons so, uncounterable. Yeah. Nutty. It's way too good. So uh, on the other part of Gilliam's question, do do you see, uh, sorry, do any of you see this argument becoming stronger or weaker with the printing of Veil vale of Summer uh, or brewing of newer, clever farm decks or World Gorger decks? Or do we need new blue commanders? So I, I want to kind of pick up on the point of the printing of Veil vale of Summer. And kind of expand that into the printing of new powerful non-blue cards. So, Veil of Summer and uh, uh, <laughs> Doc <Stopped> Sutter <laughs> Yeah, man, my uh, my one problem with printing powerful non-blue cards is that that doesn't yeah. mean blue decks won't. <laughs> no, that's them. that's true. But it certainly can give non-blue decks uh, I think the we tools need they need to, new, to compete. 
Like Veil of Summer, like straight up just goes in any blue deck that's also running green. Uh, but Veil of Summer does allow non-blue decks to kind of compete or, or not just be completely blown out on the counterspell front. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, that's, certainly. yeah of course. I, I personally stand on the like we need more powerful non-blue commanders. If I had to pick. Yeah, like but certainly Veil of Summer has helped and also like people just sort of realizing that the anti-blue cards in red and to a lesser extent green are good has like if you wanted to build some red like a Naya deck, you would actually have a surprising amount of ways of protecting yourself. Like, you could have, you know, both, like, Autumns and Veil of Summer, Pyro and Red, and then, like, you could go even deeper. Ricochet Trap? That's a classic. I was going to say guttural response, but I guess Ricochet Trap works. Bolt yeah. Bend. Nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, like, yeah. more proactive disruption spells, like, yes, you know, I'm only half-memeing when I mention Fry every episode. Like, that card is actually outside of if you don't have counter spells that card is actually very useful against a lot of decks okay uh, without you know trying to extend this episode much longer someone help me convince the goto discord that they should not be running bolt and that they should be running fry or sudden shock instead i would they they don't I buy it man don't want to go on <laughs> i i have a repulsion to mono red <laughs> like i agree with you but <laughs> i it's like Fry Fry hits all the things that you care about being like uh Aven Mind Sensor, which is the big stopper to the combo, hits Ashiok, which Bolt doesn't doesn't hit counters uh effectively as a counter to Labman and Jace. Um also kills things like Xur and Kess. But apparently they don't want to do that because you know they love their one CMC deal three damage. So. Goto is a deck that's famously has very little mana to spend yes. and lots of uh -huh. things to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so does anyone else have anything to say on this question? Or uh, should I... Uh, yeah, I was just going to sort of extend it, it to... I, and I think we, we covered this a lot already, but um, sort of the extension of like non-blue black decks in CDH rather than just like non-blue decks. Um, and sort of like, if you're not both blue and black, then... You, you're probably usually going to have issues in some form or another. Um, and I think, honestly, for a lot of those decks that like have issues with not having tutors or counter magic, uh, I don't think the printing of any single card for the 99 is ever really going to make a huge difference. Um, like, you're if you're not blue or black, you have like a tutor in so, the command yeah, the, zone. The issue is that for any color that's not <laughs> so for any color combination that's not blue and black, the only reason a lot of those decks exist is because the commanders pull an incredible amount of weight and do like an, an incredibly large amount of work compared to some of the generic commanders that see play outside of or inside of the blue black color combination family. Um, so like you really like it's it's never really going to like the issue is always that like the commander in those decks just isn't efficient enough. Um, so you. So I mean, I guess 
getting better commanders would be could be one card that makes the difference i, I was I, I was more like I, yeah i was talking about like cards in the, that you're getting for the 99 like veil of summer don't make yeah. the impact commanders are going to be the thing that makes the impact like it's always my my point of view all from this always comes from uh playing hackball and brewing hackball uh average and the entire time we were building that deck it was always we're stressing over slots and trying to get everything as fish as efficient as possible and trying to figure out like what's wrong why is this not performing this way or like why why are we losing these games and it was never because the cards in the deck weren't good enough it was because there's an issue in the command zone and it's just too expensive and you can extend that out to a lot of other decks too where it's just like yeah like everything else is pretty much as good as it can be and like single card upgrades aren't going to make that much of a difference the issue is just the thing in the command zone just has this crucial problem yeah okay well i think that wraps it up for this episode if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions comments or concerns you can contact us on twitter at into the north pod by our email into the north podcast at gmail.com or on our discord server the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode an extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast if you too would like to become a patron we are at patreon.com slash into the north podcast Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our long-suffering podcast editor, Roadkill. Uh, Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Peace. See ya. Have a good one.